Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. We are here and we exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. And I'm Jordan Macaw. And I am Micah Macaw. And it's been a long time, hasn't it? Not to the listener, but for us, yes. For us, this is the first episode we've recorded in over a month. Yeah, it's very. it feels really weird. Yeah, so... But I think we're going to slide right into it. I don't think you have anything to worry about at home. I'm not saying it as an excuse. We, we're going back to recording a yeah. podcast. Well, it is semi-appropriate because, you know, when we do podcasts, sometimes people mention like, hey, on this episode, you said this. And I am like, I have no idea what you're talking about because that's that was so long ago that we recorded it. But to you, it was the present. Yes. And so here we are. We're talking about a series that I would say is one of our most requested. Yeah. Uh, people have been waiting for this for a long time, and we're covering Back to the Future. Yes. Now, do you want to let them in on the secret of why we were waiting so long to cover this series? Because we had a hope and a dream. We had we a hope living and a on dream. a prayer. <laughs> yeah, to quote your favorite artist, Bon Jovi, we were living on a prayer. We have a comedian that we love who hosts Comedy Bang Bang. His name is Scott Ackerman. And we tried to get him on this episode because we know from listening that this is his favorite movie. And to my knowledge, he's never been on a podcast to talk specifically about the movie. Yeah. We tried, bounced back and forth with his agent. I, I mean, I'd I like to say almost, but... Super interesting for the listener. Uh, yeah, but I'm... Expl- yes, you're, you're right. But... We didn't get him. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, you're just telling the story well, to let them know we didn't get an awesome guest. Yeah, but we're going to bring it. And and yeah. I, I just, that's why it took so long, because here's the funny thing. I have been, since we started this podcast, over three years ago now, I have been in the mood to watch Back to the Future pretty much at any given time. Yeah. And, and it's been on Netflix and stuff. But as with a lot of series, I notice... I don't really watch series anymore unless it's for the podcast, for the most part. Micah, you don't watch anything anymore unless it accomplishes something. <laughs> well, let's well, be real. Let's you can't even watch a TV here. show <laughs> by yourself. Okay, okay, okay. But what I'm saying is... He won't let me watch Umbrella Academy because no, no, I have to watch it with him. And I would have finished it so long ago. Okay. All things aside, what I'm trying to say is it's hard to watch series because I think we're going to cover it at some point. Yeah. Or, you know, we've covered it and and it's like, well, I spent so much time with it and so much time thinking about it. I'm not really interested in like rewatching Terminator anytime uh-huh. soon, for example. Yeah. Um, but this one I've been wanting to watch, but it's like we'll cover it one day. Yeah, cuz it's a big one. But here we are, and that day is today. Mm-hmm. November 5th, 1955, we are covering this movie. Or ah. 1985. Yeah. Is it the same month? Um, I can't remember. Yeah. I think it's... No, I don't know. I don't... Yeah, I can't I, remember. Well, don't, don't hold that against us. Also, folks. don't tell us because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what is... So what is your experience with this movie? This movie... Uh, I mean, these movies are on TV all the time. Yeah. So that's how I would mostly watch it, is it, um, catching it in the middle and at random points. I can't remember when, but there, I like have definitely seen this from beginning to end at okay. least once. Yeah, uh, with no not on TV, but like legit watched it. 
Um, but I can't remember when that was. And it's been so long since I've seen it that watching it yesterday was like the first, it kind of felt like the first time again. Yeah. Which is sort of beautiful. And we don't get that much anymore. <laughs> Did you have any moments where it like clicked where you're like, oh, this is going to happen or anything like that? Several, but none that I can talk about right now that I can think of right now. But yes. As we go, you'll probably remember. But I like did not remember even a little bit that the movie started the way that it did. Yeah. the Like the first shot. Totally forgot about the first shot too. Yeah. So I did not really grow up watching this movie, which seems like, it seems strange because I grew up with E.T. and um, uh, Indiana Jones and Star Wars. And this feels like it's in that same category. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. It feels very Spielberg. But yeah. um, I did see it at the Reed's house uh, when I was a kid. And I remember, so it was my friend McGregor and his brother, Travis. Uh, he was going in and out of the room. He was much older than both of us. But I was like, is that Luke Skywalker? Yeah. About Michael J. Fox. And Travis was like, no, that is not Mark Hamill. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I think I went home and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was. And then you went home <laughs> and you were looking at pictures of Michael J. Fox, Mark Hamill, and Jodie Foster. <laughs> like as young people and you were like they they all are all they're all siblings right yeah because they all look so much alike when they were around this age they've really did. children well I've, i guess i've never seen mark hamill as a child but well i will yeah. say i know that you're being facetious but we definitely didn't have the internet when i watched this movie for the first time yeah i know which is kind of strange because the internet just feels like it's always existed at this point and then i think back and it was like there were times where you had to take someone's word when they said that's not Mark Hamill. That's a different person. Doesn't it feel kind of good? Not kind of. Doesn't it feel good that we are old enough that we were uh, alive and cognizant at a time when our parents didn't have phones? Cell yeah. phones? Yeah. I just remember the day my mom got a cell phone and it came in a big box. Yeah. And it was like, what games can we play on it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I found out my mom, <laughs> this is dumb, I found out my mom's new phone could go on the internet. So did you charge her? And, well, it was like a business, like it was just like unlimited data, but like way before that, yeah. you know, was common. And my first thought was to go to like the thetonightshow.com and try and watch Jay Leno clips. Yuck, you might want to cut that out. Yeah, I mean, that's embarrassing. Yeah. But it took so long to load that I remember we were like, sit I was like sitting in the parking lot just waiting for it to load. And we like drove away before it even loaded. And then I could start hearing like noises, like like an automatic play thing. And I just turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But um, yeah, so I saw the movie when I was a kid. I liked it. Uh, and then I think I saw it again in high school. And then I think this is like the fourth or maybe fifth time I've seen this movie. Cool. Um, and I think, I, you know, when you're a kid, it's absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. But then uh, I think it dipped, but I was still like, I like this movie. But then each successive time, I'm like, oh, no, this movie is not like another movie. This is not just a fun movie from the 80s. This is a masterpiece. This is yeah. fantastic. This is one where like... It it, you know, it's not my favorite movie or anything, uh, but it, it for me, it 100% falls into the category of a perfect movie. So yeah. it's like, even though, yeah. like, I don't even think I have that much nostalgia for it, but at the same time, I feel like everyone's got a little bit of nostalgia yeah. for this. So like, even though it's not my favorite, I still love it so much. Yeah. 
Uh, well, and what's interesting is this movie is a movie that is about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, we talked about on our uh, Ongbok episode with Mike Hanford, we talked about how, like, time travel movies sometimes represent, like, an ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, in this movie, Robert Zemeckis is making us go back in time to when he was a kid and everything looked hunky-dory and the cl- town was cleaner and everything was, like, good. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, American. We're, like in our suburbs and things are good. Mm-hmm. But, I, and I know some people actually cr- criticize the movie for that element, that they, they feel- That it was a very like positive look on it? Yeah, well, they felt like this movie is a very like Reaganist movie. Uh-huh. Like we're taking Reagan politics, Reagan thought, and like that's what an ideal America should be. Okay. And even like, you know, if you're really analyzing the movie, you're like, oh, a white guy yeah. told- uh, the black guy, he should run for mayor. And then a white guy stole rock and roll from African-Americans who like... From Chuck Berry. Yeah, we're like the people that invented it. Yeah. So, and and yeah. while, while I, I'm like, oh yeah, first of all, it's a fun movie. Yeah. So like, there's that. But I, I do I do think that's an interesting thing to talk about, about like the, the, the color blindness, not the color blindness, but like just how when you look back on nostalgia, you don't see the rough edges. Well, and the plan originally was for Michael J. Fox to sexually assault his mom. Like, right, for, like right, to right, start right. to sexually yeah, assault yeah. his mom, um, which he doesn't do. Uh-huh. And then the bully comes in and is doing it. Right. That's That also is up there, or in that, too. But And, and along with that, though... I think something that's overlooked when when saying like this movie is just Reagan politics mm-hmm. and like a Republican America is I think this movie actually kind of is maybe a little bit of a warning about nostalgia a little bit mm-hmm. because you do have a moment like where Biff is assaulting the mom and it's like well that doesn't happen in 50s America but they're showing that part of it so it's like we oh. are peeling back the layers and like maybe the 50s wasn't such a good time Maybe it is about the same as the 80s. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. anyway, that was something I wanted to bring to the table. Interesting. And I think there's some other examples of that throughout the movie where it's like you you peel back the layer of just the blind nostalgia you see, and you see that there's there's a little more to it than just two guys that are like, remember how cool the 50s were? But at the same time, it is cool mm-hmm. because it's a time travel family fun movie. One of the funniest John Mulaney uh, bits and yeah. he's i don't remember which special but um, i think it's new kid in town i want to say yeah that's just worth a looking up yeah john Be- mulaney be- back to the future before watching this movie after watching this movie pausing the podcast to watch it because <laughs> yeah. it's really funny it's I, I watched it first thing after the movie last night mm-hmm. so do you want to know how this movie was made jordan yes so bob gale is one of the writers producers on this movie and he's friends with robert zemeckis they went to college together and then they started making movies together. And Zemeckis was like, I want to be a director. And he's like, I want to be a writer. And they had the same interest in movies and stuff. Does that so, guy follow him through his career? Uh, to some certain extent, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they're, I mean, they're definitely still buds and stuff. So he's the one who came up with Marwin? I don't think he had anything to do with Marwin. <laughs> uh, but I'm not sure. He could have. Um, but Bob Gale was visiting his parents. And he was looking through his dad's yearbook. And he saw that his dad was the class president. And he never knew that. Hmm. And he was sitting there and he was like thinking about the class president he knew and wondering, would I have even liked this guy mm-hmm. who my dad is mm-hmm. 
if I was in this class, and that's where the story idea started. Cool. So that was the germ of the idea. And he was just like, I didn't want anything to do with the president of my class. So yeah. would I have even liked my own dad? Yeah. And already, you're, you're on your way. So uh, they had made this movie starring Kurt Russell that we need to watch at some point called Used Cars. Yeah. And um, Columbia Pictures was like, we want to make whatever you guys want to make next. Oh, so we that guy loved used made cars. it with Zemeckis. Yeah, oh. Zemeckis directing, him writing. Nice. They had also made prior to that, um, I want to hold your hand, which is also a movie we need to watch. Oh, okay. And it's about like teenagers trying to sneak into the Ed Sullivan show where the Beatles are playing. Oh, that movie. Okay. Yeah, and it's one of like, I don't know, I can't remember how many movies, but hardly ever do the Beatles license out their music. Oh, and they got to do it. Yeah. Um, cause most of the times if you're watching a movie and there's a Beatles song, it's a cover. It's not the actual recording. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the rare, there's like two or three movies that they've given the rights to actually use their music. So when all of the Beatles are gone, yes. um, what happens? Did, is there like in a hundred years from that point, it's public domain? I'm sure with something that big, I don't think, I don't know that it would get into the public domain yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Because I think it's, I want to say it's either 50 or 60 years after someone dies, their work goes into the public domain. Oh, okay. But if you have an estate, it's like yeah, once they the would estate dies it. or whatever. Yeah. And for a long time, Michael Jackson owned all of the Beatles music. That's right. Yeah. And that's why it was never on um, Apple. Yeah. I don't remember why they made that decision, but I think they I think they were just trying to keep it like, this is a special thing. It's not hmm. like other music. I don't know. Let's and not then, share it with anybody. Yeah, and I feel like after Michael Jackson died, I feel like a, a year or two later, it was all on streaming, and you could finally listen to yeah. the Beatles. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that was our ASCAP podcast, Association of Composers and Publishers. Now we're back to Back to the Future. So uh, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis, they start... I love just saying Robert Zemeckis. It's the best name. That was literally what I was thinking. <laughs> and Bob Gale's pretty cool, too. Mm -hmm. He it reminds me of Bob Kane, who created Batman. So Bob Gale, Bob Kane, great. So okay. they did the index card method of writing. Are you familiar with what that is? No. So they would write on a card, Marty invents rock and roll. And they'd be like, that would be funny. And they'd put it there. Oh, and, and then they they're like, it. Then they're like, oh, at the beginning of the movie, we should have him play guitar. So they put it like on a big board. Yeah. And, yeah. and which... When you watch the movie, you see how, it, I mean, the script is so tight and they set up every single payoff. Yeah. And it is very much like they write A and that means B. Yep. So we have to put A in the beginning. That's kind of the put B at the end. Time travel gets very complicated very fast. Um, but that is kind of the beauty of time travel. Yeah. It's because of like what you just said. Because he went back in time and did this thing, that yeah. means this is going to happen. Well, and. So oh, I, wait, sorry. Yeah. You know what's also interesting about this movie? Uh, because we have so much time travel stuff now, uh -huh. um, this is among the only time travel movies I've seen where there's not a loop. Like, he just goes back in time and effects change, uh -huh. and he goes back to the present and everything's changed. It's not like everything's the same, and it's because of originally his he went going back into time. He yeah. has to make sure his parents get together. It's always been him who's been getting his parents together, not the story that they told at the beginning of the movie. It's different. They met different. Yes, they did. 
in timeline A, they they met differently. But do you know what I mean? Are you saying he's always existed in I'm that time? I'm saying they don't even get there. Oh, oh, and yes. And it's just nice. Well, I think they do in the second one. They probably do, but but I just I'm only talking about this movie. Yeah. It's just it's fun because yeah. sometimes when you watch time travel stuff, you get to a point where it's like they're doing this thing and it's like, oh, that's why it was like that all along because they actually did, went back in the past and did that thing that yeah. affected the present. So I guess that was always them, but this is just like, Marty's never been here. Yes. And that's nice. That is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fun to do it the other way. Yeah. Like, but I, I feel like that's more, um, it's more like scientific. Covered. That's more covered now than, it, yeah. than this movie. This one. Yeah. It's, 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 so, Going right along with what you're saying, I was thinking about two great time travel movies of re of like the last twenty years: Tenet and um, Come Again. Primer. What do you mean about Tenet? Great time travel movies. Now, let, well, what let do me you mean finish. by that? Let me just finish. But those movies, what what I think is so unique about Back to the Future, and and I off the top of my head, I just can't think of other time travel movies right now. But those two movies, like really in-depth go like what would happen if this was a real thing and primer like is a hard movie to understand primer is awesome though but would recommend yeah it's um, cool if, if you're into time travel yeah mike combs i'm looking at you if you've not seen primer yeah. it is right up your alley that's a cool movie very cool and it's also very short so that is it's, helpful it's too. like probably one of the lowest budget movies you ever watch yeah but it's awesome yeah um, but that movie, that movie is like, if time travel was real, that would be how it'd work if it didn't collapse the universe. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, and that movie is so much like, y- y- you're not thinking about characters. You're just thinking like, how are they doing this? The whole movie. Yeah. It's a puzzle. And there's a chart you can look up online after you yeah. watch the movie. Or maybe during your, wa- during the movie, <laughs> it actually might be help- helpful yeah. to have that chart. But Tenet is a, a similar thing where, where the movie is so thought out. And that's all this unwinding, and it's you know it's a different type of time travel because it's and and Nolan claims it's not actually time travel, it's whatever. But what you know what I'm saying? So it's doing no, all I this actually, stuff. I don't. It's doing all this stuff, and you're just like you're so engrossed in what they're doing that at least for me, I watch either of those two movies. I don't necessarily care about the characters. I don't really care care about like the emotions of either of those movies because I like yeah. I like yeah. the equation. Yeah. The equation's fun. And I think what sets Back to the Future apart and why so many people resonate with it is this movie, I think, prioritizes character and a fun story over the logistics of time travel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say another one, not a fun movie, but a fun movie, uh-huh. uh, Looper. Yeah. That one That's, is pretty fun to watch, too. It is, I just mean it's not ha-ha fun. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, but but I do you see what movie. I mean by no, that? I it's don't, like I don't th- those mean. are like two totally different approaches. And you know, I think part of why people maybe try to do something so complex and insane is because Back to the Future has done this so perfectly. Yeah, it's like the template. Yeah. I mean, I I guess another example of the Back to the Future kind of time travel as far as fun is Avengers Endgame. Uh-huh. Cuz that movie you're just like let's go they just this is amazing i love this you know so uh it certainly can be done in that 
way it was so fun and the new se- new season of umbrella academy of which michael will not let me watch by myself <laughs> uh, i think it was the second episode had such a cool intro explaining the grandfather paradox yeah which is like the classic time travel thing and it was one of the best illustrations of that i've ever seen no yeah. it was the best one i've ever seen well the best the best one is uh future back to the future oh okay yeah because that, that, that is Rama that episode. is the the grandfather paradox. Okay, yeah, but <laughs> the Umbrella Academy one was just really good. Yeah, and it was like a two minute explanation. Yeah, it was it was, was very so fun, and yeah, it was it was good. Um, but anyway, so that's where we're at. They they get their first script done, and they go to Columbia, and they're like, "Check it out, we got the story," and they go, "Actually, I don't think we're interested. It's not raunchy enough." Wow. Because at this time, you have movies like Porky's, and um, that's the only movie I remember them saying, but some other movies around that time, and they're all like sex comedies. Huh? Who's them? Like, society has those movies, and they're doing really well. Sex comedies and that sort of a thing. And so Columbia's like, yeah, this is like a kiddie movie. We don't want to make it. And so they start shopping it around, and they get around or at least 40 studios say, no really so if any any artists out there hearing that they just they said no to back to the future uh you know keep doing what you're doing (laughs) and with their previous movies they'd worked with steven spielberg but they didn't want to take it to him because they were like if we take it to him and this movie fails it'll be our third movie with steven spielberg and people will say you know they're just friends with Spielberg mm-hmm. and that's how they're doing it. They don't have like talent and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So they're avoiding talking to Spielberg, but Spielberg does read a draft and he's like, I want to make this. I love this. And they're like, okay, but just could you let us like keep working on it? Um, and he goes, okay, fine. And uh, they go pitch it to Disney and Disney says, uh, there's like incest in this. Uh, no way. This will hurt our branding. We can't touch it. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny, because this could totally have been a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. But I get it. Um, and then Zemeckis is like, okay, I'm going to make this other movie called Romancing the Stone, starring have Michael you Douglas. seen that movie? I haven't. Need to watch Wait, it. Wait, is that a remake? No, That's not as the, far as I the know. The original came out in the 80s? Or the, yeah, in the 70s? Uh, I think it would be like 82, I think, is I when it I thought that out. movie was way older. No. Oh. And it's cool. kind of like an Indiana Jones-esque movie. Yeah, I've never seen it either. Need to watch it. I don't it. even think I knew Kirk Douglas was in it. That's cool. Yeah, or I'm sorry, Michael Douglas, not Kirk. Um, I didn't know that Michael Douglas was in it. <laughs> um, so th- he makes that movie, and then they're like, okay, let's make it with Spielberg. And the ball gets rolling. And they start working on the movie, and they're doing it. Now, here is something I hope you don't know about, because this is crazy. About Michael? about michael j fox yeah oh you probably know already no what do you know well i just know looking at his filmography it's kind of interesting leading up to this movie well take us away and then i'll come back uh i mean i guess it's just a little intro but so leading up to this movie he did some tv but like you know an episode here or there and yeah. things and then he's in a movie like midnight madness love boat then he's also in some tv movies he's in this movie called don't ask me ask god <laughs> frankly i uh, agree <laughs> and then this is interesting so then then it's back to the future so it's like oh, okay this is ma- like massive success for him 
did not know yeah. that. Can I put an asterisk on Great. that? And, okay, okay. Uh, the same year Teen Wolf comes out. Oh, so that's he, right. That's he, right. He just explodes even more. Yeah. And then um, shortly after both of those movies, he came out with The Secret of My Success, which is just a very funny movie poster uh, okay. that everyone should look up right now. Okay. He, he's coming out of a champagne bottle and he's he's got like a Ferris Bueller <laughs> like lean back. That have makes you, sense. You've seen that poster. I think I have. Yeah. I'll look at it after the episode. Um, So I want to add a big one to that. He's in a show called Family Ties. Yeah. And that is what is like making him huge. Yeah. Uh, and then and then he's coming out with Teen Wolf and Back to the Future. But the Family Ties thing is important because they, being the creators of Back to the Future, were like, we got to get Michael J. Fox for this. He would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. And Fox says, well, he's busy shooting the show, so you can't have him. And so they go, okay. And they cast someone else named Eric Stoltz and they start filming the movie with Eric Stoltz. Who's that? Um, I didn't, uh, he's in some stuff that we would recognize, but I, I can't like a man who could have been. Yeah. I can't recall off the top of my head. He's had a decent career though. Michael, Eric, a Eric Stoltz. He looks like Jodie Foster. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Look at him. Yeah, he kind of does. Do you think everyone looks like Jodie Foster, though? I'm, they must have the most average-looking faces or something. <laughs> but I also don't feel that way. He's in Pulp Fiction. Yes, Pulp he's Fiction. He's Lance. Oh, he's Lance at the pawn shop. I think Lance is no, at Zed. Quentin Tarantino's house. Isn't he the... Nope, no, Quentin Tarantino's at Quentin. I don't remember who Lance is. Yeah, I've seen this guy and stuff. Oh, wait, isn't he the, the drug dealer that, like, smashes the... The the heart thing the no not I mean I don't think so okay but he, maybe well anyway so yeah. he's he's had a decent career yeah um and they shoot with him for five weeks yikes and they're just not feeling it he's method acting he's not eating lunch with the crew he's like hiding away in his trailer why shouldn't he if he's method acting and he's marty mcfly i don't know he would be hanging out with everybody because he's a fun guy and he's outgoing I, I i it's kind of baffling so he's like it's just not gelling and he's playing it pretty straight and zemeckis is just like this isn't working like it, it's not screwball -y enough yeah and they go to Fox again, and they're like, is there any way we can get Michael J. Fox? They work out a deal. Fox meaning his dad. <laughs> no, the network. <laughs> um, wait, I think, actually, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I made a note that said Fox unavailable doing family ties, and I translated that to Fox didn't allow him. I don't think Fox had anything to do with the network. Okay. So the I, I apologize for that. Uh, so... The producer, Gary Goldberg, um, he says yes if they work around the family tie schedule. Okay. So during the day, Michael J. Fox is shooting family ties, and at night, he is shooting Back to the Future. Man, how did Teen Wolf work then? He had finished it by then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so the... Uh, I don't know what that note means. Uh, Doesn't Jason Bateman star in T-Wolf too? 
Yeah, Teen Wolf 2. Yeah. yeah. I've yes. never seen either of them. I haven't either. I've seen parts of it. But Teen Wolf yeah. does have the penis at the end of the movie. That's the famous. Oh, yeah, what's that? So in the, I think they've kind of edited it sometimes, but I've seen it on Netflix, like the original cut. There's a guy in. It's like a crowd shot. It's like a crowd shot of the the fans like cheering at the end, and he just has his penis out, <sighs> and you can see it. It it's kind of far away, so it's not like it's not like graphic, but you can see it. And Ew. it's it's just one of those like hilarious uh, bloopers, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But I think there are some people that say like, no, it's a piece of shirt or something. But if you watch it, you're like, that's no piece of shirt I've ever seen. <laughs> it's a penis shirt. <laughs> um, so they approached Christopher Lloyd and he had no interest in doing the movie. Wow. And then his agent was like, just meet with Semeckis and Bob Gale. And they were so enthusiastic about the project. Well, it made him enthusiastic. Yeah. Let's talk about him for a second. Yes, please. Um, do you know what his first acting credit is? Uh, no, I have no idea. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't even... Well, no, I remember him being in that. He plays Tabor. I'm just assuming he was a patient. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Um Good for him. And then he's in this movie... Oh, I wanted to look it up. He's in this movie called Going South, starring um, Jack Nicholson, that like sounds like kind of a classic if it was done right uh-huh. but it has pretty bad scores oh okay but it's due to the lack of men after the civil war a small western town allows a bachelorette with ulterior motives to save a horse thief from the gallows by marrying him they must deal with his old yang the sheriff the bank and each other sounds like it could be a fun that time. sounds like it could be a great movie. and it stars like i said jack nicholson mary steenbergen from stepbrothers like are you, you serious yeah is it, and it's kind of a Western? Christopher Lloyd and John Belushi. Wait, wait. Do you understand? St- St- Danny DeVito's in it. Steenburgen. Mary is one of the stars of Back to the Future 3, where they go to the Wild West. Yes. And her and Christopher Lloyd fall in love. Oh, I didn't make that connection. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't think we're pronouncing her last name right, but that's okay. Steenburgen, probably. Steenburgen, I think. I think it's Burgen. Oh. But yeah, Danny DeVito's in it. I bet he's the bad guy. This is directed by Jack Nicholson. Ed Begley wow. Jr. is in this. <laughs> wow. I kind of want to watch this movie, even <laughs> though it has pretty bad scores. And this is this is the poster. It's just, He looks mad. Oh, my gosh. So it's a comedy. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't it be? With a, with a look like that, it's got to be a comedy. It, it just sounds fun. What's it called again? Going South. Going South. Um. And then he's also, Christopher Lloyd is also in The Legend of the Lone Ranger. He's in Mr. Mom. He's he's in, he's of Taxi fame. I mean, he's been in a lot oh, of stuff before Taxi, okay. but he is part of Taxi. And which I thought, have you ever seen Taxi? No. Me neither. But I just know it's beloved, but I've never seen an episode of Taxi. It's got to be like kind of good, right? I mean, Andy it's Kaufman, a, it's a Danny DeVito, Christopher Isn't Lloyd. Bruce Willis in it? I don't think so. He was in a show a show called Moonlighting. But I feel like he shows up in an episode. Maybe. I could be wrong about that. Back when he used to be a comedian. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just, we got to watch it sometime. Okay, yeah, we should. Uh, and then Clue, the movie Clue came out the same year as Back to the Future. But okay. I mean, Christopher Lloyd's already Is he the butler? Lloyd. He's got to be the butler, right? I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. And he's in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, I know. I, I'm mostly family. covering what was around the time. Oh. Yeah, that makes for sense. For people. Um, 
So let's see. What else do we got? Uh, so oh, fun fact about Christopher Lloyd, personally. Um, when I was a kid, I, I just have a very vivid memory. Oh, yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah. it was one of the first times I watched Back to the Future. It was on TV. Loving it. And I just remember my dad saying that got the doc is dead. Like the actor is dead. Uh-huh. But I just feel like that's now a false memory. But for years, like up until I would say a year or two ago, well, up until nobody kind uh-huh. of a little bit before nobody. Oh came yeah. Out. Cause he's yeah. But we've uh, talked about him on patreon.com slash Michael McCaw. Yeah. Sign up. I thought he was dead. <laughs> yeah. And then I also I, would be confused. Wait, wait, wait. Because I would watch um, Modern Family, and it's produced by Christopher Lloyd. Different Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, which so I thought that, that was against the rules for that to happen. But maybe because Christopher Lloyd doesn't... I don't think he has... You can't have the same name as someone? No, because John C. Riley is named John C. Riley because he couldn't be John Riley. Because there was an, a famous actor named John Riley. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. So... I wonder if it's because one's a producer and one's an actor. Yeah, I mean, they're allowed to do it. That Christopher Lloyd guy is like really famous. Yeah, the producer, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, when when I saw Modern Family, I was like, that just makes no sense. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I was every time I watched Modern Family and I saw that, I just assumed it was the actor, Doc. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool that he's just he's like still a funny guy. He's making a funny show. <laughs> And then I looked it up, and I was like, what is happening right now? He was born in, like, 1938 or something. Are you serious? I think so. Jeez Louise. That guy's old. But, I mean, he looks old in this movie, and that was almost 50 years ago? I know. I know. He's, like, an eccentric middle-aged person. Yeah. Or 40 years ago. 40 (laughs) years ago. But, yeah, that's so crazy. Um, So, this is a, a fun thing I found out. Uh, Scheinberg, who is one of the producers, wanted them to change the title of the movie to Spaceman from Pluto. Why? Believing Back to the Future would not resonate with audiences. And so this alternative one would make more sense to people? (laughs) Yeah. And Galen Zemeckis did not know how to reject Scheinberg's suggestions without risking his ire. So Spielberg intervened, sending Scheinberg a memo reading... Hi, Sid. Thanks for your most humorous memo. We we all got a big laugh out of it. Keep them coming. Spielberg knew Scheinberg would be too embarrassed to admit his memo was to be taken seriously. Oh That's a Nathan Fielder level. <laughs> yeah. But Scheinberg later claimed the story was, quote, bullshit. Wow. But I, I did, I checked my sources on that, and that is like, Bob Gale has said that that has and happened. And you just said BS. I, well, I'm going to say it a few more times in this episode because there's some oh. funny stuff to say. Funny quotes. Yeah. I mean, th- this movie's got one of the best in it. So, uh, so yeah, we already talked about the right, the director and the writers. The cinematography is by Dean Cundy, who has done, like, everything. Jurassic Park, we've talked about him. He's done a ton of Zemeckis movies. He's done a ton of Spielberg movies. You're going to talk about how we couldn't get him on the podcast? Well, maybe he'll come another time. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, and the music's by Alan Silvestri, who we've also talked about, who's mm-hmm. iconic. I mean, mm-hmm. Avengers, Captain America. I can only remember those right now, but he's done a ton of stuff before mm-hmm. even that. Um, it comes out July 3rd, 1985. The producers liked it so much, they pushed it forward so it'd have more time in theaters. Nice. Um, 
and it had a $19 million budget. Domestically, it made $212 million. Worldwide, it made $385 million. The movie's a hit. Now, they did not plan on making a sequel off the bat. So that ending is just for fun? The ending is for fun. They told a complete story. And uh, Zemeckis has even said that had we planned on making a sequel, we wouldn't have put, I forget the girl's name in the car. Jennifer. Jennifer in the car. Because uh, if you'll remember in the next movie, they like knock her out. She's like not even a character, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And they're, they're like, we, we wouldn't have done that if we knew we yeah. were making more. So, uh, and then finally, my last note. Uh, in it's just interesting the delorean company what happened to the delorean cars yeah you know they're cool cars they were they they chose them for this movie which actually reminds me i I i'm not done with my notes but uh in october 1982 john delorean who is the owner uh was charged with cocaine trafficking after fbi informant james hoffman solicited him as financier in a scheme to sell 220 pounds of cocaine. Holy crap. Worth approximately $24 million. Uh, and so DMC, which is the company, was insolvent at the time and $17 million in debt. Hoffman had approached DeLorean, a man whom he barely knew with no prior criminal record, and DeLorean was able to successfully defend himself at trial What? under the procedural defense of police entrapment. What? The trial ended in a not guilty verdict in August 1984. What? All of this is before Back to the Future, and they still chose to, this car. Uh-huh. Uh, by which time... It's the 80s. We all were doing cocaine. <laughs> by which time, DMC had declared bankruptcy and ceased operations. So by the time this movie came that was out... That not even a car anymore. You couldn't even get a DeLorean. Wow. Unless it was used. Crazy. So, oh yeah, there's a couple more. I'm sorry, but... Let uh, me just finish it off with a couple actors. Okay, okay. So then we have Leah Thompson plays Lorraine, the mom. Um, leading up to this, she is in Jaws 3D. She's also in All the Right Moves, starring Tom Cruise. Oh. Um, she's in Red Dawn. And then she's also in Howard the Duck movie. Oh, man. Fun. Um, I took notes on Crispin Glover, but we have covered him because of Alice in Wonderland. When did we cover Alice in Wonderland? Oh, I thought we have. Have we not? It's not a series. Why would we? Why do I think it was in my mind? Oh, you know why we watched it? Blank check. Yeah, so we, we were just like, watching Tim Burton It feels movies. like we were covering it. Yeah, we okay. were not. So we have not covered Crispin Glover. I'm glad I still took notes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a Patreon one anyway. Yeah, and I will never watch that movie again unless some unless if we get a ton of patrons, I'll do it for you. Or if someone like tortures Did we watch me. the second one? No, I would never watch that. Hmm. Alice in Wonderland, bottom... Probably three movies I've ever seen. I hate it with yeah, a burning passion. Anyway, Crispin Glover, he's in Facts of Life. He's in Happy Days. He's in Hill, Hill Street Blues. He's in Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which has been proven not to be the final chapter in the 80s. <laughs> um, Tom Wilson, Biff. Uh, he is in Knight Rider, Facts of Life, Batman animated series, as well as a ton of voice acting. Cool. I always get him mixed up with... I, I will... Next episode, we'll come back with the actor I, I always get it mixed up with. Like, even to this day, I always, like, this other actor is in something. I'm like, that's Biff, and it's never him. Oh, okay. And I got a... Is it someone who's in Back to the Future 2? No. Oh, okay. No, but I just, for some reason, I guess they, like, kind of look alike to me. 
Yeah. And I think this person might be a bully in another movie that I've seen. Um, He's, he is so funny in this movie. Yeah. I mean, this movie, if, if nothing else, is like one of the best examples of absolute perfect cast. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, this cast. And then to just round it out, Claudine Wells plays Jennifer. I yeah. mean, she gets like two minutes of screen time. But yeah. there aren't many women in this movie. Um, <laughs> right. She's in uh, Herbie the Love Bug, the show. Okay. And The Mentalist. She's in a lot of other stuff, kind of. And we won't be seeing that actress ever again because she gets recast for part two. And they recreate the opening, and I don't think I've ever been able to tell that it's different footage because she's in back to the future one so little i can't remember what her face looks like (laughs) um so one thing michael j fox has said is that a lot of guitarists have come up to him and said you're the reason i play guitar that scene in the movie and one of those guitarists is none other than john mayer john mayer wait are you serious serious. i just said that as a joke john mayer said really yep wow um and then finally, was he really playing guitar? Uh, what they said is like they recorded the guitar somewhere else, but he learned how to play all the parts so that like he was lip syncing it as it would be if you were playing it. Whoa, crazy! Yeah. Um, and so uh, finally, my last note, and then we can jump into the movie, is the beginning of this movie or the end of this movie was supposed to be them like originally the time machine was in a refrigerator okay and they'd be on a pickup and they would go into like a nuke like in nevada or somewhere like that and like go into a nuclear plant and there's like a big explosion and stuff whoa what's kind of interesting is spielberg produced back to the future and then made indiana jones and indiana jones 4 opens with in a refrigerator in a nuclear test site Yes. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. You can only think that that's got to be a nod, right? I would think so. I would think so. Although in the in the interview I was watching, Bob Gale was like, so that's how Indiana Jones does it. You know, he was yeah. being a little ornery, but I don't know that he was mad about it. Okay. But uh, so that's Back to the Future. Yeah. Do you want to jump right in? Yeah. Let's do it. So the movie begins and we're hearing the tick, tick, tick of clocks. And we have what I can only describe as kind of an unbelievable shot. Yeah. Dozens of clocks. Dozens. And we're seeing them tick away. We're getting introduced to the to the theme of time right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And it's this one shot as we see kind of what we're realizing is like a used area of all these inventions and these kind of, um, oh, what's that word? Uh, 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 I wrote it down. The Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because an alarm goes off and things start happening, like toast or, or bread in the toaster. But, but it's, it's all burned. burned. Uh, the uh, something's opening the dog food can, but it's oh my gosh, it like made me want to throw up looking yeah. at it. Um, but but you see, so like yeah, the toast is burned. There's like a ton of dog food rotting in the dog dish. Like whatever is going on here, this person like there's no coffee pot for the coffee. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. So and then, then the TV turns on too. And right. it's the news. Yes. And the newscaster says plutonium has been stolen from the nuclear plant. Yeah. The Libyans have claimed it's them, but no, but then no one's found evidence of that or something. Yeah. Which is funny. Well, and, and again, this speaks to like the, 
the cog in the machinery of how this how tight this script is and the index card thing because it says that it goes to the door still one shot marty walks in and he's like doc doc and then the camera slides over and goes to under the bed and you see a briefcase that says pluton or like has a nuclear sign on it yeah so it's like already the movie's like introduced you to a lot of concepts and it's already whisked you away at this point Mm -hmm. and then finally after like a minute and a half, two minutes, we move on to shot number two. So one thing that is truly funny, if you think about it even a little bit, that John Mulaney talks about in his bit that I yeah. find so funny, is this child, his best friend, uh-huh. is an old scientist. Yeah. And it is funny because the movie never explains why. It doesn't really ever explain that, like, Marty's interested in science. No. So he likes tinkering around with him. Or it's his weird uncle. Or something like yeah. that. It's just like, I think he's just best friends with the scientist. Because he just comes into his home and sets the amp up. Like the biggest amp anyone's ever seen. Uh-huh. And he just is going to play guitar. Yeah. It's weird. But what, what again, what I think is, what, what takes this movie from like a 9 out of 10 to a 10 is that these guys didn't feel like they needed to explain that. And they never did. Yeah. And when you think about it, if try, if you try to think of a reason why they're friends, there's no reason that would naturally fit into the story and and improve the story. I mean, it's like a cartoon. Yeah, it's like they're friends. Who cares? Yeah. And and like he is like not not excited about science, but he's cool. Yeah. Uh, nothing. We don't need anything else. And I think that's like some of that stuff. I mean, it's a comedy bit. That's what comedians do, and I love that bit. But but it is that funny thing sometimes where it's like, I think our modern audience, because of the internet and yeah, Reddit and stuff like that. We need to know why they have a friendship. We have to know all this stuff, and that's why you have, like, you know, spinoff shows of mm-hmm. things to explain events that needed no explanation. I'm not sometimes. talking about any particular sometimes. show that came out recently. Wait, what are you talking about? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, I'm just thinking of Better Call Saul. Oh, no, that's perfect. Yeah. And that's different. Yeah. Uh, that's a prequel done right. Yeah. I, th- I thought many times about making a video essay showing how that's how you make a prequel as opposed to Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit and stuff. Anyway, uh, we're not talking about Star Wars right now. Um, so he turns on the amp, and, and it's, it's great because you're like, oh, this is the time machine. Yeah. Like, he's turning on the time machine. It's an amp. And yeah. then he... he starts to strum one chord and goes flying back and the amp explodes yeah and then doc calls yeah and he's like i need you he he has the christopher lord is the best voice like doc has the best voice like marty marty you have to come here at 115 come to the mall parking lot it's like so raspy and he just is shouting the whole time but he tells marty he's got to be at the mall parking lot at 115 tonight and uh-huh. <laughs> and then he's like, what time is it? And he's like, you know, I think he says it's like eight. And he's like, perfect. My clocks are 25 minutes like, behind exactly. The experiment worked. <laughs> it's like, huh? <laughs> and Marty is late for school. Uh, that's such a great joke. Yeah. And so then he's like, wait, you're saying it's 25 minutes late? Oh, Doc, I'm late for school. <laughs> and another thing that I will never be able to unsee is... uh. When Spider-Man came out, uh, the last Spider-Man movie, Tom Holland did a Hot Ones, and uh, he said that he like loves Back to the Future and bases 
his performance on Marty McFly. Yeah, and when Peter you told Parker. me that yesterday, it's like, oh, it, it's without like, a doubt. It's like uncanny. Yeah. There, there, I think it's down to even, I feel like there's certain shots yeah. of this movie that you could put them next to each other, Which, and it, he's like impersonating him. It's, it's, this is not, it actually doesn't even matter, but it is kind of funny that, well, it was great for a joke in Spider-Man Homecoming when he's running through backyards and Ferris is also doing it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just funny, but it's also like, maybe he should have done Marty. <laughs> or like, Back to the Future. Because he's cause he's not Ferris. Right, Peter, right. Peter Parker's not as cool as Ferris. But, um, yeah, do you do you find it, like, rip-off? Or do you find it I think interesting? it's really smart. Yeah. Uh, because it's like, he chose, like, obvi- you could tell in the interview that he's not like, Oh, the the director just told me to do that. That's what I did. Like he loves Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, so that's what he chose to do, and he chose like one of the coolest characters ever put to film, and yeah. like you just instantly love him. So it's no wonder that like the the minute Homecoming starts, and you're seeing him walk around, you're like, I just like this kid. Yeah. And it's like, well, you've kind of already seen him do things before. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love it. And but he's he's also good because he. He does that, but he it still makes sense that he's like a loser. Mm-hmm. That's that's the balancing act that Tom Holland has to do. Because Marty's never a loser. No. I mean he kind of is, but you're never on the bully side. Anyway. Is there even a bully in that movie? And and Back to the Future in nineteen eighty five? Uh, uh yeah, Let not the, to him. The principal is the worst. Yeah, the principal. But yeah. he gets to school and his girlfriend is skateboard so cool he skateboards so cool and he skateboards through town so we're kind of seeing the town and we're seeing that it's like you you can see that it was once a quaint cute city center i love sets where they have a square that everything happens around it um because it makes me think of like paranorman so good with that too yeah um i am blanking it's so like classic movie it is. I, I kind of feel like kind of like a Edward Scissorhands. It's kind of like a Tim Burton thing. I know Paranorman's not Tim yeah. Burton. Um, I think they, I don't know if I'm making this up, but I think they did cite like like Frank Capra, like It's a Wonderful Life. You know, yeah. you're like, especially yeah. in the 50s, it's like you're transplanted back into this. New Bedford. Falls, yeah, yeah Bedford you're, you're like transported rather into like a perfect location yeah but i like aesthetically it's 1985 there's trash everywhere and graffiti yeah um but yeah so he we get to see that then his girlfriend's outside of the school helping him trying to sneak in so he's not getting another tardy we meet the principal Uh who is telling him like you're just like your father you're never going to amount to anything um you suck you're such a slacker and then he's going to do the tryouts with his band. Oh, Battle of the Bands. Battle of the Bands. Now, I have to do a sidebar. Yeah. And, and I'm going to brag a little bit here. Um, so in this movie, we have The Power of Love by Huey Lewis. And huge. Huey Lewis is... Wait, yeah. I'm sorry. Did this... Was Huey Lewis, like, huge already? So Sports had come out, which okay. is a huge it's album. the album. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Huey Lewis is in it. And he is the one of the judges. He named his album Sports. Yeah, that's cool. Have you seen the album cover? Yes, and it's cool. It's cool. It's a gr- it's never, a great album. It's just a great title. So, anyway, he he's in the audience, and he's the one who, when Marty plays, he goes, "It's just too darn loud." Uh huh. Great, love it. Uh huh. Now I'm gonna do a little personal fun story, which 
many of you I know already know about this, but I used to. There used to be this band that I was in called Seons, and in, in where we live, there's this place called Brit Festival in Jacksonville, Oregon, and it has all of these cool artists that come and play every year. And Huey Lewis was going to play, and I was a big fan. Bought tickets to the show, was ready to go, and then Brit asked our band to open for Huey Lewis in the news. So this is like, I think it's like nine years ago now, which mm-hmm. hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we opened for Huey Lewis in the news. It was kind of nuts. I have never played on that stage since. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to again. Uh, I think I'm a better musician now. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, yeah, so we played, we had like a green room and stuff, which at the time we had like not really experienced that. And there were like snacks and mm-hmm. water and all this stuff. And... After so during the set, Huey Lewis said, "Hey, give it up for Seons. They were a great opener." And he said your band name correctly. And he said our band name correctly, which is just like because before the show, the the managers at Brit, the stage people, were telling us like, "Don't approach the talent. Like you're you're not to talk to the talent unless you are t- spoken to." Mm-hmm. So there's kind of this like, were these kids? You know, I'm a year out of high school. Uh, Grayson's not even out of high school yet. And we're just like, oh, okay. Like, this is scary now. Um, Play the show, do well. And then the saxophone player talks to us for a little while. And he was like, you guys did great. That was so fun. And then after the show, Huey Lewis came to our dressing room, shook all of our hands, and was like, I watched the set. You guys did great. That was awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And it was like, this guy is he signed some a teddy bear. Yeah, I have sports signed by him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm forgetting the name of the other album I have. But um, so, yeah, that's I've opened awesome. for Huey Lewis in the news and I've met him and he is a really nice guy. So that's your back to the future connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've emailed the cinematographer of the movie. Yep. So I'm pretty close to this movie. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Um, I, well, I thought Christopher Lloyd was dead for most of my life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, our connections are a little bit different. Um, then, again, the script, it's Rube Goldberg. Everything is getting into place in these specific ways. Uh, uh, Marty and Jennifer are, like, about to kiss, and this woman's like, save the clock tower! People want to replace the clock with well, a I, clock that works! An interesting thing before that comes around later that is just another one of those fun connections. So they get they get uh, kicked out of Battle of the Bands, and Marty's like, I'm never going... Like, I'm so... Um, like he's just defeated and his girlfriend's like, you should send your stuff to record companies. You're so yeah. good. And he's like, I'm just, I don't think I can handle rejection. And yeah. later on in 1955, he finds out his father writes science fiction and he never knew that. I mean, his father oh, didn't even put student. together those parallels. And, and he's, his, he's like, oh, let me read some. He's like, no, 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 I never let anyone read it. Like you wouldn't want to. I mean, I, I don't think I could handle to know what you thought yeah. about it. So good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this woman comes up and is like, save the clock tower. They want to refurbish it, but it's been uh, not working for 30 years because lightning struck it. Yeah. And and it's just, it feels like, like the first time you're watching it, you think nothing of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a good time travel movie, when you rewatch it, you're like, uh-huh, 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 yeah. uh-huh, <laughs> the whole time. And um, I love this too. It's like, this is one of the other really silly things about the movie is while they're on the bench, like almost kissing, like every two seconds, that truck drives by that new truck. And he's just like, man, she's so beautiful. Like all this stuff. (laughs) 
thought that was so funny because I just remember the first time I saw this and at the end of the movie when he gets the truck uh, I was like this is so silly yeah. he gets literally everything he wants <laughs> well we'll talk about that ending because one of the actors was not happy about it oh so we'll get there um so then um I I oh yes then we go back to his house and we meet Biff and his dad. Mm-hmm. And Biff is basically forced, uh, crashed uh, uh, Marty's car. And he's. Well, his, I think it was his parents' car. Marty was going to borrow it. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, Biff is like, You didn't tell me there was a blind spot. And he's like, Look at my jacket. I spilled beer all over myself. So he was drunk driving. Yeah. And um, the, the two of them are talking, Biff and his dad. And it's this dynamic where he's like, well, you better make sure and turn in those reports that, that are supposed to be from me. And he's just, his dad, George, is just a total pushover. Yeah. Now, the beauty of Biff and George is they never once wink at the camera. No. They are, I mean, they are playing, like, really screwball odd I characters. I think Biff literally winks at Marty, but yes. Yeah, well, yeah, but, <laughs> but like, especially mean. Tom Wilson... Yeah. He is playing this, like, it, it's such a cartoon character he's doing, but he's not, and part of it is the time period in which it's made, but he's not turning to the camera and being like, hey, guys, I'm Deadpool. Yeah. He's not doing something like that. Yeah. He is just like, I'm Biff. This yeah. is how it is. And and doing something like when he's about to punch Marty and he said, or George or whoever, and he's like, why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't even say the right line. Yeah. yeah that someone should say there and and it's not uh, yeah it's Chris, just Chris like crazy lover's performance in this movie is so interesting it's, it's so like weird. pretty uncomfortable yeah there there's like a i mean he's a he's a weird person yeah because when we're in 1955 he is a peeping tom <laughs> he is yeah. watching his future wife that he's not like he doesn't know watching her undress yeah, and it's not like, good. Very bad. Don't do it. Very, very bad. And they say they're not saying that's okay. Yeah. Like Marty's like my dad's a peeping tom. Yeah, which is just like ooh. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's a weird character. He's like his hair's always greasy. Yeah, um, I, I did read that they there was lots of times where Zemeckis had to like try and tone him down. That makes sense because that totally makes sense. From I, I feel like I haven't seen him in a ton besides House of Wonderland, um, which you kind of have to be big for that, but I don't really remember his performance. Yeah. But he's I like was, Stretchy Man or something, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I was just thinking about his performance in this movie, and it's like, what was he like on set? Yeah. But there's also, I was also thinking of um, Blank Check talks about him. I'm assuming it's for the, well, it could be for this. It's but, one of these movies, I think, um, yeah. The, they have this guest on that had like a really weird experience with him. Yeah. And it's almost like hard not to like, because he's so weird in this movie. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's an interesting person. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't like an immoral or no, straight. No, no, I, no, no. But I can't remember all the details. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to try and relay yeah, it, no. but, it, but it's just kind of like, Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Like that's just odd, but yeah. he makes like weird art house films and he will only, play them like in a theater where he can do like question and answers and stuff and then they're like you can't go on to and then you never see it again. like no yeah. one sees it yeah. yeah or he'll do another screening but it's like only there and and stuff like that and 
I, I, you know, I think when he makes movies, he tries to set aside money so that he can make his own movies that have no studio, no nothing. I mean, I'm assuming that he's just like a purist. Or yeah, something. and and there's well, can you guess which actor had a problem with the ending of this movie? Yeah, with thanking him. Yeah, um, yeah, I just think that that there there is something that I admire in that where he he is like, yeah, I I w- like I want to make a movie for myself. I don't really care about a populist movie. That's not what did he not like about the ending, or should we wait? Well, we, we could talk about it since we're here. Okay. He he really really disliked how the movie ends, and the lesson learned is like. Yeah, you get everything you ever wanted. Yeah. And you got the American dream, you got the house, you got the girl, you got the car. And he's just like, that's just, just a lame lesson, and I don't believe that. Yeah. So it's like antithetical to what he believes. And so, and that ending is another thing that's criticized about the movie. Yeah. I never uh, personally viewed it in any way to learn anything from it. Yeah. Um, so, like, I get it, but it also doesn't bother me. Well, and what I think it's funny that he gets everything he wants. I think it's funny, and then what also kind of works is like in retrospect. That's why I'm okay with saying this is totally perfect, and I love all this movie. Uh, like they've go, uh, Doc goes to the future, and the future is screwed up, and they have to go and like change everything because it the future got screwed up. Yeah. So it's like that perfect future actually wasn't perfect. Yeah. It turns into the the perfect present. Right, right, because it turns into like the Biff owning everything and like destroying everything and all that stuff. So, so that be- so I just it's been so long since I've seen the second one because yeah. of what he did in 1955 is what happened in 20 isn't it like 2015 or something? Yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I am pretty sure. Okay. There is a slight chance that that someone's listening to this right now and they're like they haven't seen Back to the Future two I, in a long time. Have yeah. They? For most of my life, I wasn't sure which one was one or two. Yeah. Um, so that, that movie will also kind of be like watching it for the first time for me. One, I forgot, uh, until I was listening to blank check when they were covering these that in back to the future two, they go to back to the future one again, they go to 1955. Whoa. And he's like watching him do all of the things. Oh, yikes. Okay. So (laughs) it's going to get complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, I I mean, that is often people love the the second one a lot. I remember loving it. They have the hoverboard and the shoes that lace themselves. Well, yeah. How can you how can you not love that? Um, But yeah, so you find out that the parents have a really dysfunctional marriage. Yeah. And and Lorraine, uh, she's uh, uh, Leah Thompson. So good. Incredible. So good. So they're sitting at the dinner table that the house is very compact. Yeah. It's funny because. When he goes, when he does everything in 1955 and comes back, like I think the layout of the house is all the same. Yeah. But this present version, like everything's just so claustrophobic and cluttered. Um, I just think the, the sets are so good. So they're eating dinner. They're, his older brother is like works at a fast food restaurant or something. Yeah. And is complaining about life. You know, no, no one seems very motivated, uh-huh. um, but he goes off to work and then the sister is complaining about how she can't get dates because uh, Marty's girlfriend called twice and his mom was like, girls shouldn't be calling guys like that. I don't like yeah. girls like that who run after guys. And that's when his sister's like, maybe I should do that, though, because guys yeah. don't come running after me. And then she, they start talking about like how her and her the, like how their parents met and everything. 
and her mom like their mom starts talking about it in a like a nostalgic yeah nice like so cute we were just kids that was my first kiss was our first date but then she ends the memory with like and that's when i knew i'd spend the rest of my life with him it's and some it's good depressing. acting and i i think that that supports my argument that the that, that you you start with that nostalgic lens then you peel back the layer and it's like ah uh, but well, that's the interesting thing about nostalgia. Yeah. That, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it's just, it is just so interesting. It, you know, it's fun to think about fun times, but they always, they sometimes also make you sad. Yeah. Because they're gone. Oof, yeah. Don't I mean, say that. How many how many songs were there in the world just about that alone? You know? Yeah. You're, you're, you are literally performing one of them <laughs> the whole month of August, yeah. which is, this will come out after that. But Yeah, but... That's not to say that you can't listen to my new single, Ghost in My House. Floorboards creak when I try to sleep when my room is dark. I can see his teeth when the traffic dies. I swear that I can hear it breathe. Which is not about nostalgia. No, but it is about the past haunting the future and the present. Oh, so it is kind of about It kind of is, actually. (laughs) But please listen to it, and please share it with everybody. It's so hard to be an artist, and it's so hard to get music out there. It's a haunted house and a song! (laughs) That's Jerry endorsing it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, then we get to the big scene. Yeah. They are in the parking lot of the Twin Pines Mall. Twin Pines, and it's on that guy's farm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um... And uh, we get the DeLorean reveal, which is just so epic. Like, the first time you saw it, you had to be like, well, this is important. Like, the way they just reveal the machine. Mm-hmm. And then Doc proceeds to show him time travel with uh, Einstein, the dog. Yeah. And he's explaining all this stuff. And this is when you're really getting... This is like the first time you're really seeing Doc and yeah. how kooky he is. Oh, he is perfect. I loved him as a His kid hair. so much. Well, it, it's just he one of those so fun. things. It's like the Marty McFly outfit where it's just like... It's hard to imagine that there was a point in time when someone watched this movie and these things were not considered iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like... Every, I mean, even the... Like, there's so many shots in this scene that we're describing that, like, every time you'd get a new DVD and you put it in and it was advertising Blu-ray, <laughs> you would mm-hmm. see, like, the shot of them, like, looking back as the fire is below them yeah. or, like, looking up. and Whoever did costume design is so good. Yeah. Because Mike and I were talking about Marty's outfit. It's like, we would wear that today. That's just such a cool outfit. Uh, yeah. But it is kind of like you and I were talking about last night about horror because we watched this exorcist newsreel from when it, the movie came out and like <laughs> yeah, people yeah. passing out and like not being able to handle it. And it's like so interesting. Like you can't predict when that will happen again, if it would even happen in our lifetime Yeah, that this big movie event would have such a like massive impact on people. Physically. Like, physically, <laughs> yeah. a physical impact on people. Um, so even like with, with this movie, it, I, it's just like I see Marty's outfit and it's like, man, I wish I could see more outfits like that. And it's like, I think I see outfits that great all the time when I'm watching TV and movies. But because this movie's so iconic, it's like, I really remember it, yeah. you know? So it's like, we can't predict those things yeah. to happen. And I think since we don't have kids, we don't, we don't know yet either. 
What do you mean? Well, because it's like like we're not necessarily sitting down rewatching movies all the time, but like a kid will, and yeah. then the kids grow up and they want to wear those things or yeah. they dress up for it as Halloween and stuff like that. Dress True. up for it as Halloween. Yeah, it's me, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Thank you for dressing up as me. <laughs> so, um, if my, so, this is one of the best quotes in the movie, and I, another reason why I got to put an explicit on the on this episode. Doc says. If my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. Sends the dog into the future. You have the great shot. A minute shot. into the future. Just a minute. Which, that's also a great touch. It's like, you introduce the concept. Yeah. And they're talking and, and, and you know, the car almost hits him and then it disappears. I love the car effects. I love so that it good. just disappears fire on the yeah. on the tr- tire tracks. Yeah. Um, And then... And then it's like they talk for a minute and it's like Marty's going, you know, what is going on? Like, uh, what is happening? And then the car comes sliding in mm-hmm. and he has the Einstein clocks that are sunk and his yep. is one minute behind Einstein's. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my gosh, it worked. Yeah. Great, Scott. It worked. Yeah. And you're like, OK, I love this movie. Um, and then the Libyans show up. Then the Libyans well, show Do- up. Doc is going to go like 30 years into the future. He wants to go to the past when he thought up the time travel. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause Marty doesn't mess with any of that stuff. Yeah. So he's going to go 30 years into the past. Yeah. To talk to himself. I, I think he just that wanted to observe. observe. I think he just I wanted like, to look around. I don't around. think, I think he's too smart to know that he shouldn't talk to himself. Right. Right. But yeah. And then the Libyans show up because <laughs> I, I do love what this a, detail. A, a fun MacGuffin. <laughs> it's yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, where where he's like, the Libyans are after you, like the terrorists, like you stole plutonium, and he says, well they they hired me to make them a nuclear bomb, so I put a bunch of pinball pieces in uh, in a nuclear bomb, like and stole the plutonium and stole the plutonium, and you need it to in order to power this machine. Yeah, <laughs> that's so it's, it's funny. So then they come, the, they come, they shoot Doc. He is dead, seemingly. Yeah. Um, and Marty is running for his life, gets in the car, is driving away from them. Yeah. And he hits 88 miles per hour. And then you transition cut, he's in farmland. Mm-hmm. Great he, transition. Great transition. He, he drives right into a barn. Yeah. Um, and the, the family comes out and they're like, what's going on in here in the sun? I think they're like, what? That's an airplane flying without wings. And the son's like, holds up a comic book, <laughs> uh, like a science fiction comic book. No, it's <laughs> yeah, an yeah. alien. And they start shooting at him. Um, but he gets the heck out of Dodge. And before this, Doc said that the guy who used to own land on the mall, Mr. Pine, like the pine guy. Yeah. He was, he wanted to breed pine trees. Yeah. So when Marty in 1955 races away from them, he runs over one pine tree and there's two pine trees next to each other. Like he planted two pine trees next to each other so they could breed together. And he basically kills one of them. (laughs) And he's like, my pine. (laughs) And his mailbox insignia is two pines. And then the the place is called two pines. The mall later. Um, Yeah. And, and also, not to mention the score of this movie is oh, absolutely beautiful. incredible. Yeah. And, and in my head as it was going, I was like, this has to be John Williams, right? It's so John Williams-y, but it's not. I commented Alan Silvestri at the beginning of this movie. Oh, you did. You did. 
But I think before we watched the movie, I'm like, isn't it John? I'm pretty sure it's oh, John okay. Williams that does it. Um, but yeah, Alan, pat yourself on the back. I know, I know you've already, you've already done it, and it's probably a distant memory, but you should still be proud of Back to the Future. Score. Have some nostalgia for it. Seriously, travel back there, watch the movie. Um, so he's he's driving around. Oh, I gotta look up the "Don't Stop or We'll Die" thing. Tell oh, tell me, yeah, tell me what's so, happening in the movie. Um, he he is racing down the road. It is now daylight, and he he drives by Lion Estates, which is the like community that he lives in, uh-huh. and it is nothing. It is just a field. So they're like just now breaking ground on where he will live thirty years in the future with his family. Um, and it's all cl- like the there's those signs were all like graffitied and gross in 1985, but they're like clean and brand new. So he stops to look at that because he can't believe like my home's not doesn't exist yet. And then the car <laughs> breaks down. Yeah. So this other car comes down the road. and He's still wearing the hazmat suit. And he's like, help, please stop, stop, stop. And the, the wife yells at her husband, don't stop or we'll die. But she might not say that like, word for word. But there is a very funny band, Don't Stop or, We're Di- or We'll Die, that has Paul Rust. Harris Whittles Harris when he was Whittles. alive. Was Matt Gorley in that? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, anyway, just like so, a, a band of comedians. And they, they just wrote such funny songs that are you can look up right now. But they're also played on like old comedy Bang Bang episodes. Yeah. So if you're a CBB world member, you can just go back. Um, and I don't know if I've listened to the episode where they explain where they got their name. So like when I heard this in the movie last night, I was like, holy crap, that's yeah. so cool. But is that actually what she says? So that it's commonly thought that that's what she says. Yeah. But she says, don't stop, Wilbert, drive. Okay. Don't stop, Wilbert, drive. Don't yeah. stop or we'll die. Because they're also driving away and she's yelling it. Yeah. It's, it's funnier don't stop or we'll die is funnier yeah and a really good band name (laughs) a great band name yeah um worth a look up they're funny yes they they really are uh so then he goes to a soda fountain shop and hides the car hides oh yes hides the car goes there and he is trying to order sodas there's some kind of shenanigans there he's he's ordering uh well he uses the phone he Uh, finds an address for doc yeah. So then he's trying to ask the guy, and the guy's like, "Buy something." And he's like, "I'll have a, I'll have a uh, Pepsi free." And he's yeah. like, "No, like, what are you going to buy?" Then he's, ba- he doesn't say this, but he's like, "I'll have a Coke Zero." Basically, whatever you have without sugar. And the guy gives him coffee. Yeah. And then there's a great reveal that he's sitting right next to his dad. Oh my gosh, man! It was so good. Yeah. And and he's just totally astounded. I mean, it cannot be overstated. How fantastic Michael J. Fox is in this movie. Yes. It, it is absolutely a miracle of performing. Yeah. It is insane. It's it's a, it's scary to think of a world where we didn't almost didn't have him. Yeah. And we had this other guy, Stoltz. Yeah. Well, you can watch. There, the footage is online. You have can you look watched at some it. of it? No. Oh. I wouldn't want to do that to myself. Okay. No, actually, I would. That sounds fun. Um, And then uh, Biff and his crew, including, as you pointed out. Thank you. I said, whoa, Billy Zane. And then I said, no, I don't think so. And you were pretty annoyed that I was talking. Uh Um, And then we let the (laughs) scene go by, and I had to look it up, and it was Billy Zane. Yeah. And later in the movie, it's like, oh, 100%. Yeah. Which Billy Zane looks a lot like, um, I think we've talked about this, he looks a lot like Marlon Brando when he was younger. Yes. 
like, I bet cr- people have said crazy. that a lot. So here's the weird thing about Billy Zane. He's yeah. in this movie for like two seconds, but we're going to talk about him. Yes, please. Um, people, like, I feel Order like up. often <laughs> joke, like, make jokes about him and Titanic. Um, yeah, yeah. Because he's famously in Titanic. Uh-huh. Um, the only things that I know that Billy Zane are in is in is this movie now, uh-huh. Titanic and Zoolander 2. Why do we love Billy Zane so much? His name, like for years, for years, when people would joke about Billy Zane and Titanic, I thought that they were making fun of a character because his name is so fictional sounding yeah. to me. He sounds like a comic book character. I, I don't know what it is. I, there, there's got to be some like pop culture thing we don't know about. Yeah, or like I think a I'm TV missing show. something. Yeah. But here's, here's something I'm going to say, and I am a little worried reputation-wise about saying this. Okay. There's this movie that came out called Holmes and Watson. Yeah. Is and, Billy Zane in that? Well, let me explain. Okay. So I watched it late at night, uh, and I had a couple of drinks in me, and I really enjoyed this movie. I, I didn't I knew it wasn't like a great movie or anything, but it was very funny. It was it was getting me. It's famously like terrible, and I don't think I would watch it again just to savor that memory. But Lauren Lapkus is in it, mm-hmm. one of our favorite comedians. And she has a moment in the movie where I'm pretty sure it holds up. It's I cried so hard laughing that it was like, even if the rest of the movie is not funny, that's funny. Because this whole movie, she's she's like mute. She's a mute, yeah. And she's been uh, kind of flirtatious eyes with, with uh, so, like, John C. Riley. I think it's John C. Riley, yeah. And um, she's they're having like their heartfelt goodbyes as they're getting ready to walk onto the Titanic at the end of the movie. They walk onto the Titanic. <laughs> they, they do. <laughs> and they're, they're getting ready to walk on as her heartfelt goodbyes. And then she, hand- <laughs> she hands John C. Riley a note and you think it's going to be like a love letter or something. <laughs> it's just like a very crudely drawn cat with a lollipop, I think. And that's it. <laughs> and I just laughed. This has nothing to do so with hard. Billy's name. Well, oh, okay. So then, after that scene, Holmes and Watson are talking, and they're like, "Okay, you know, yada yada yada. We're gonna get on this boat that seems really safe, and I'm sure nothing bad will ever happen to this boat." You know, doing yeah, like yeah. an obvious joke there. And then Will Ferrell looks as Sherlock Holmes, and he literally goes, "Is that Billy Zane over there?" <laughs> and the camera turns, and it's Billy Zane, but, and he waves okay. at them. That is a funny joke, but I still don't get it. No, I don't know. It's just so funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. So the rest of the movie might be terrible, but those two jokes alone made it worth it for me. That's great. I feel like, because Titanic came out in 1999. Yeah, maybe eight. It might be eight. But but it came out when we were like four or five. Yeah, I think it was eight because uh, 99 Phantom Menace was the top grosser. Oh, Okay. That's actually a good marking point. But um, so that came out in 1998. I was like four. Uh-huh. Th- didn't watch the movie. Yeah. You know, so it's like all these years went by of me not seeing Titanic. And I think in that time, I didn't, I wasn't in on the joke. Mm-hmm. You know? I just remember every time we would go to my Aunt Robin's house, they had that that VHS tape that's the burned double. in so many people's eyes. That Yeah, that has the double. And I was always like, whoa, that movie must be really long. Yeah. And I think I had heard that it was really bad because, you know, there's the nudity in it. And when you're. Oh, like like sexual bad? Yeah. Oh. Because remember, she poses nude. Yeah, of course I remember. 
but but as like a five year old, I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, that's cr- like movies can even do that. That shouldn't be allowed. That's yeah. crazy. Good movie. Um, so reveal of dad, and then uh, Biff like is making him do his homework. It's like the same scene, same thing. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I do think it's really funny when um, I, I don't remember his name. Um, and I'm not trying to be blatant here, but th- it's part of the story. But the the black janitor yeah. is like... Is I, his last name Wilson? I don't think so. But yeah. The, You're thinking it, of the volleyball. Um, oh, no, no, no. But the, the janitor who becomes... He is mayor in 1985. Yeah. And he's like sweeping and stuff. And he goes, I'm going to get out of this town. You think I want to do this? I ain't no pushover and stuff like that. And then Marty's like, you are. You're going you're gonna to be mayor. And then he's like mayor now that's a good idea I and love then that. that's when the guy's like i won't quote exactly what he says but he's like he's basically like a black mayor that'll be the day yeah and i i do think that's another layer of like the nostalgia goggle stuff yeah. where it's like oh yeah there's also racism and people don't like to think about that well, when they it, think of the 50s you there, know it's an entire town and he's the only black resident that we see and yes yeah. there is a uh the band at like the dance is black yeah but like we don't like but they're like not part of there's no black people in the crowd right. enjoying it no the the music and stuff so well and i don't think black people would be allowed to play at that high school well that's what <laughs> i was wondering in the 50s. Was, yeah yeah that was an interesting thing to think about that's like wasn't addressed or anything yeah because uh, i mean, I mean the, it's not the part civil of the rights movement really hits its stride in the 60s yeah so i don't even think they had i think schools were still segregated in the 50s i think how crazy is that yeah that's just it is nuts. crazy. Um, but then we see George is peeping Tom, and he yeah. is up on a a tree branch. He falls off of the tree, gets hit by Marty. Pushes him away. Yeah, he gets hit by the car. Yeah, and that's when you're like, oh, so because at the beginning of the movie, Lorraine's like, what were you doing th- that you got hit by the car? And he's like, eh. yeah, and doesn't answer. And it's like he was peeping. He was being a peeping Tom. That's yeah, why he's, he's being never- a perv. Yeah, exactly. But already Marty has affected change. His dad didn't get hit by a car. Yeah. Marty did. Yeah. So he gets taken into the house and he wakes up hours later uh-huh. and Lorraine is in the room and like she is very hot and bothered uh, by him. <laughs> she thinks his name is Calvin Klein. Thinks his name is Calvin Klein because his purple underwear says Calvin Klein. Um, Which, uh, you know, back then they didn't have brands on their clothes. No. So <laughs> she's such a funny detail. I love I that. I know. So she's like, mysterious, uh, mysterious, cute boy in my bedroom. Yeah. This, like, you're so cool and I like you. Um, so they go downstairs and they're having dinner. Uh-huh. The mom kills it. Oh in my gosh. Scene. She's so funny. She's so funny. And they. They just had bought a TV, and I think the dad set it up that day. And he wheels it in front of the dinner table, and everyone's watching Jackie Gleason. (laughs) And Marty's like, oh, I've seen this one. Yeah, this is the one where this happens. And the kid's like, how could you know that? He's like, this This is is a new new. episode. This is new. He goes, oh, I've seen a rerun of it. And they're like, what is that? It's so good. (laughs) And then he asks him how to get to Doc's house. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you got to go on Manzanita Drive or something like that. Oh, by John F. Kennedy Boulevard. Yeah, and they go, and the dad goes, "Who the hell is John F. Kennedy?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think like that joke, great joke. All the jokes in the movie land, but I, I, I part of me was like, would I think that's funny today, or would I just be like, oh, here we go, another joke like that? 
Oh, and, like and, if you watched it in 1985? No, like if a movie came out today and oh. made those sorts of jokes, I think I would be a little annoyed. And I'm like, why is that? And I'm like, I think it's because Back to the Future did it. And that's why yeah. it would be annoying it if just, other people did it. It truly has to be written well. Because yeah. that's all people are going to be thinking about is Back to the Future. Yeah. Because there's another really funny joke when he's with Doc and he's trying to convince Doc that he's from the future. And Doc's like, well, tell me who's president of the United States in 1985. Ronald yeah. Reagan. <laughs> yeah, like that's going to happen. Actor? The actor? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's sort of a, you know, you hear this a lot. You especially hear it with comedy and it can be kind of a triggering thing to talk about. But it, But in general, like when I'm watching this movie, I'm going, man, movies, they just don't make movies like this anymore is what I'm thinking. Yeah. So I'm like, this is so special. It's so unique. But, um, you know, there's just something to be said for, and, and this definitely goes for comedy. It's like, sometimes, like, like I'm thinking about the new Ghostbusters movie. I haven't seen it, so I'm talking, I don't know for sure. But from the trailers, I was like, this is really weird. They're taking, they're, this is like so nostalgic driven. It seems like it's not even true to what this series is supposed yes. to be. It doesn't look funny. It doesn't, it's yeah. just like, Stranger Things with nostalgia, mm -hmm. which Stranger Things already does, plus Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think that's what happens when you try to make something that's already been made. You know what? This made me think of. You know what of. I'm saying? Yeah, because this makes me think of, I think we've gotten a really original, um, not really based on anything um, movie this year which is everything everywhere all at yeah. once. Yeah. And it, that one's a molt. So like, it is interesting because I think you can see influences in that movie. Oh yeah. But it's, you know, it's multiverse. So that it's, but it, it's just like that. Like when I saw that movie, it's like, I have never seen a movie like this before. Yeah. And I don't think anyone else can make this. Yeah. And, and yeah. It's so, so to, to finish my thought, cause I didn't want to leave it hanging there. I think you can go back and you can go, they don't make movies like this. Let's do that. Let's yeah. make a Ghostbusters movie again. That's like the old days. Um, or go. Yeah, I can think of other things, but off the top of my head, I can't right now. And, and I think there's just something to be said for like, Back to the Future was made in 1985. And it was everything, every artistic thing is made in some sort of vacuum. And it's like, that's when it was made. There's no there's no sense in trying to make another Back to the Future 4 and like recreate that feeling. It's been done. Make everything everywhere all at once. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't you don't have to always but you you can do it well. I mean, Top Gun Maverick did it well this mm -hmm. year. You can go back to the well. I'm not obviously we're talking sequels, but mm -hmm. it's just kind of a interesting thing. And I and I think people bring that up a lot about comedies where it's like, you know, why can't we a be racist still that's a thing people say all the time and that's dumb but then sometimes it's like how come comedy can't be family friendly like back to the future and it's like well just like anything in life it evolves and changes mm -hmm. so comedy is just different today than it was in 1985 yeah and they can both be good also have you seen minions i haven't but that's what i would say to that person yeah yeah and i'm obviously creating fake people so it's easy to beat up their arguments yeah but, but to that fake person i would say have you seen minions well, have you seen Minions, Jordan? No, but I would love to. <laughs> you got to go see it. The trailer was one of the funniest trailers. Do you think we should cover that series? Would you like to cover that series? How many, are, how many movies are in that series? There are three Despicable Me's and two Minions. Yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I think I'd get tired by Despicable Me 2, but I think the Minion movies would be a laugh riot. 
I mean, I've seen all but three and Minions 2, and I, I mean, I enjoyed them. Yeah, I'd watch it. So, okay. We've covered, covered, oh no, we've not covered Illumination. Yeah, we have not. Illumination. Be-do, be-do. I always think they're DreamWorks. <laughs> yeah. No, that's all, that's the Shrek well. Yeah. Which, hey, and if you don't know, folks, we will be returning to the Shrek well at the end of this year. Because Puss in Boots 2 comes out. Yep. Um, then he finally meets Doc in the past, who's trying to read his thoughts with a machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's trying to tell him, I came from the future, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. You got to help me get back to the future. And Doc is like, do you know what this means? Because he'd been trying to guess what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what? And he goes, my machine doesn't work at all. It's completely useless. Mm-hmm. I didn't get any of that right. And then he shows him the video. And one of the best jokes in the movie is he sees himself. So, so this movie, this is just outside of brilliant. Like this is a whole other stratosphere. They've aged up all the actors for yeah. the future. So when they come back to the past, they look really young. It's a wonderful effect. It works perfectly on everybody. But with Christopher Lloyd, they don't change anything. <laughs> I think his hair's shorter in the past. I, I mean, I notice no discernible difference. His hair is a little, a little bit, shorter. Like a little bit different. Okay. But then he looks at the video of himself and he goes, ooh, not looking so good. <laughs> I mean, that is unbelievable. Yeah. That's such a good joke. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, or no, no, he says, look at me. I'm an old man. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good but i think it's like but i still have all my hair yeah <laughs> that was a good impression actually um so then they realize the only way to get out is if they get 1.21 gigawatts yeah of power mcjiggers and the only way to do it is a bolt of lightning but where could you possibly guess a bolt of lightning <gasps> marty pulls out the flyer yep then they begin their plan on this Saturday or this next Saturday, that's when it will occur at 10:04 p.m. He nearly looks in the camera and says, "Next Saturday, we're sending you back to the future." Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, "But luckily, you can just hide out here because you haven't interacted with anyone, right?" Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Well, I like that, uh, <laughs> Doc." So when he sees Doc, he's living in that house, uh-huh. but in the present, he's like downgraded to the garage. Yeah. It's like his mad scientistness is not like like over the years it's like he's had to sell things. You well know? he he says that he's lost he's his fortune making this stuff. Yeah. His family fortune. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, all those little touches, you know, mm-hmm. the more you watch the movie, the there's more to discover. Um and so then he's basically like, Well, you have to now fix this. Yeah. And they're realizing how the connection has not been made between George and Lorraine. Yep. And by now he's found out that his dad writes science fiction, Mm -hmm. which you had pointed out. So he dresses in his, uh, like, hazmat suit, goes to George's house, plays Eddie Van Halen guitar, which I guess the band didn't want to have their music in the movie, but Eddie Van Halen was like, I'll play some guitar for you. Are you serious? Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, that is weird. But it also works better because Eddie like made all those crazy guitar sounds, and they do sound alien. So and I love the, that. Uh, the cassette said Edward Van Halen, which <laughs> yeah. I thought was funny. Um, and then Marty says, I am Darth Vader. Yeah. 
He does yeah. the whole breathing. And he um, tells him like he must ask Destiny her out. has called you to do the to yeah. Yeah. To be together with her. So he has to convince her to fall in love with him. They go to the malt shop again and he tries to get him to ask her out. And it doesn't work because Biff shows up and he trips Biff. Marty trips him. And then they get into a fight. Mm-hmm. And Marty runs outside and invents the skateboard, mm-hmm. <laughs> which rules. Mm-hmm. And is hilarious. And everyone's just watching him like, this is amazing. The uh, bullies are chasing him around. Great scene. Some good action. Well shot. Then it ends with, as Patrick Willems on his letterbox said, that cinema, five out of five, amazing joke. Them looking at a truck full of manu- manure about to crash into it, all of them yelling, shit, <laughs> and then smashing into the manure and uh-huh. it flying all over them. Uh-huh. That's peak cinema, baby. Yep. It does don't, not get better than that. Don't get better. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then he goes back to Doc. And he's like, what, what, is, uh, what does Lorraine keep saying? Like, what a dream boat. He's, he's a dream. She says it like or three, he's or, a dream. Yeah. three or four times. She's like, I have to find out where he lives. And, and it's always this kind of like, she's looking angled up into the sky yeah. and kind of like walks into the shot. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but then he's, Marty is trying to tell Doc, hey, I got to tell you something about the future. And Doc's like, no. Don't tell me about the future because I might I might want to try and change it in the past. Yeah. So then he writes him a letter. Well, not yet. Not until way later. No, he does. I have it in my notes right here. Well, he re- yeah, but Lorraine comes first. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So Lorraine does find him. And yeah. she says, I was thinking maybe you'd want to ask me to the dance. Yes. And this yeah. is funny because, as we said the in 1985, the Lorraine, the mom, is like, girls should not be calling on boys. Mm-hmm. When now we're in 1955 and Marty has changed the past and his mom is calling on a boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though she's wording it like she's not, but she yeah. is, which is very funny. Yeah. So he does accept, um, and he goes to he he tells George like yes George George says how am I supposed to win her over if you're taking her to the dance? So that's when they hatch the plan of you're going to save her from me. Yeah, punch me in the gut. I'll be out. She'll she'll love you. You kiss at the dance. Happy ever after. But then in between that, he does write the letter. Yeah, and he says, do not open until 1985. Yeah. Okay, so the stage is set. They go to the dance. Uh, it's it's crazy. Like, I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, it's this movie's this fast? Like, I know. I remember the dance being, I, I I mean, later, I guess. Yeah. But it's like, it's like the in like act two really, and then act three is the them getting out of there. Well, I don't know. That's it's kind still of kind of epi- act it's three. kind of an epilogue. Yeah. Oh, them getting out of there or him being like getting, getting home. Getting home. I guess that is more of an epilogue. Yeah. But yeah, so th- they are at the dance, but Marty says, "Do you want to park for a second? Yeah. And she's Marty. Do you think I haven't parked before? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's his mom. He's like, "What? Yeah, so gross." <laughs> um, and she's like wearing like a um strapless dress and everything like crazy and she kisses him and she immediately is like oh it's like kissing my brother yeah and he's like thank goodness yeah and he's kind of saying how like he couldn't go through with the plan that he had but in a cryptic way he's saying it yeah but then biff sees him yeah throws him out of the car and he's like 
stay out of this if you know what's good for you. And his his uh, posse yeah. throw him into the trunk of the musician's Marty. car. Yeah, Marty. And then Biff starts assaulting her. Yeah. Which is intense. Yeah. Um. Uh. So that's happening. So George goes to the car because that's what he just needs. He knows that's the plan. Yeah. So he, you know, has all this fake courage, opens the, wrenches the door open, and it's like, you get her, your damn hands off her. And it's Biff who's in there. And yeah. he's like, oh, no, I don't want, I didn't want this to happen. But Lorraine's like, help me. And he gets real courage. Yeah. And he's like, no, I mean it. Get away from her. And then he Biff, punches him. He he punches him, but Biff like has him in an arm lock, blah blah blah. But it all works out. Like he punches Biff and saves the day and stuff. Yeah. And then um uh they're trying to the, the musicians are trying to get Marty out of the trunk and Marvin Marvin Barry. Yeah. Uh he cuts his hand and he can't mm-hmm. play guitar. They get him out of the trunk and they're like, What are we gonna do? And and oh, by the way, we never talked about that he has a picture and his brothers and sisters are like fading mm-hmm. and he's starting to fade mm-hmm. um and because the past is being changed yeah so then it's like he needs to play this dance so they can have their first kiss yeah so he goes in there and uh it's it's just the best it yeah. makes sense that so many guitar players were inspired by this scene because yeah. he he goes in and uh they're they're playing the music and he's seeing that it's not going well someone like steals her again yeah um everyone wants lorraine yeah and who wouldn't okay um but so you think for a second like man george really can't go through with it but then he summons the courage once again yeah gets her back they kiss and then and then marty says something like uh like doing blues and b watch me for the changes and uh, try to keep up mm-hmm. and then he starts playing johnny be good mm-hmm. and then he's progressively shredding and becoming more Eddie Van Halen as he goes along. Getting metal. And he like kicks his amp and then you cut to the audience and they're all just staring at him. Mm -hmm. And he straightens his tie and he goes, guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best. Yeah. But, but before that too, he was like disintegrating. Yeah. And there's like the hand shot, which looks really goofy. And I found out that because of like rushing special effects, because they had to get reach that deadline, like, they were not happy with that shot. Oh, okay. But I mean, it's fine. But yeah. Um, and so they do all that. Uh, oh yeah. And while he's playing, Marvin is like, "Hey, cousin, you know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this." Oh, and he's like, "It's me, Marvin Berry." <laughs> and he's talking to Chuck Berry. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he gets out of there. It's time for him to go home. They have this plan. They've wired everything up to the to the clock tower yeah. for the lightnings to strike. And he's supposed to drive at 88 miles per hour precisely across this part that will transport him back. Um, but a tree falls on the line, yeah, uh, the electric line. And so um, they're trying to get it figured out. Marty goes to where he needs to start with the car. And Doc is trying to not die while trying to get it all back <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah. He does. It's successful. He kind of gets electrocuted for it, but it works. Yeah. And Marty gets home. Yeah, and it's it's a great sequence. It's just And he gets home 10 minutes earlier. Yes. Yes, and so then he runs to the Twin Peaks mall. And before that, Doc finds the letter in his pocket before yeah, Marty rips leaves. It up. Yeah. And then he gets there and he's trying to stop the Libyan thing from happening. He's watching it all happen. And then he sees 
Doc gets shot down again. Mm-hmm. And he goes over to him and he's crying. And then Doc gets up. And he's like, Doc, how did you do it? Pulls up, pulls back his shirt. He has a bulletproof vest on. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls out the letter, which he has taped mm-hmm. all the pieces, which is weirdly so sweet. I know. But it was so cute, too, before he went back to the present. Um, they, like, hug. And Doc's like, man, I, I just hate that I'm not going to be able to talk to you about this right yeah, after it happens. So I have to wait 30 years. And it is sweet. Yeah. This old man and child friends. Yeah. <laughs> he gets back home, and it's all different. Yeah. His parents love each other. His his brother is wearing, a, like, a, he asks him what he's wearing, and he says Armani. Yeah. So he's got some nice job. His sister, his brother is saying to his sister, like, Craig called you. Greg or Craig? Uh, I don't know. Like, so, like, guy, like guys oh, I didn't are even just pick up on like, that. calling yeah. left and right for the sister. Yeah. So, like, she gets what she wants. Yeah. And then Biff is, is like, the schlub now. Yeah. And he works for them, and he's waxing the cars and stuff. And then Marty's finally going to take his girl for a weekend. In his brand new truck. And then this weird-looking car comes flying out of nowhere. Doc gets out. He's got crazy goggles on. He starts rummaging through their trash, uh-huh. and he's like, I need... They're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I need fuel. And he's throwing, like, banana peels and dumping soda into this yeah. weird little compartment. And he's like, get in the car. They get in the car. They pull out, and he goes, he goes, Doc, we don't have enough road to hit 88 miles an hour. And he says, where we're going, we don't need roads. Mm-hmm. And then the car lifts into the sky and flies away. And everyone applauds. Yes. And then the movie's over. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a fun movie. It's a 10 out of 10. It it's really easily is. a 10 out of 10. It's so, so, so good. I don't know how you couldn't love this movie. Yeah. It's so good. It's just a fun time. And it's great. What more could you say? I don't think there's anything else to say. Except for, if you go to patreon.com slash Micah McCaw, you can, uh, uh, you can listen to our episode on The Protector 2 this month. And beyond that, if you're a $5 or more patron, you're going to be getting uh, music early from the upcoming album, which comes out November 4th. And if you're, if you're not ready to make the Patreon jump yet, that's okay. But please share the podcast with somebody and please share my music with about mm-hmm. maybe a hundred people each. I'm just kidding, but actually that well, would be helpful. If you helpful. share it to your social media, <laughs> that's about it. There you go. And tag me if you share it. Uh, and then finally, a reminder. I was hoping to get there by the end of the year, but I don't know if it's going to happen. But it would be so awesome if it did. If we get to 50 patrons... We are going to, no, when, not if, when we get to 50 patrons, we are going, of any tier, we are going to jump into another show that will be Patreon only where we cover every Pixar movie so that you will have two episodes every month yep. on your Patreon in addition to your normal scheduled episodes. Yep. So help us get there. Thank you for the support, though. Rate, review, subscribe, and next week, let's go back to the future. Two? 